What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, guys? Welcome back in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going to do a 12-team PPR mock draft, and I am doing it from the 7th spot on Yahoo. But before we get to that, I want to lay out the next month or so and what I will be doing. So I'm going to start quarterback week this Sunday. I'm going to be moving to three episodes per week. It's going to be Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. So those are going to be the three days I do every week. And each week is going to be a different position. So starting this Sunday, we're going to have quarterbacks kick off with my top 12. Then I'll do 13 to 24 on Wednesday. And Friday, I'll touch on a bunch of, you know, guys that I like at values, kind of like a bus and sleepers form of just the quarterback position. And then I'll answer some questions and whatnot. And I've actually already started pulling in questions about quarterbacks. I will answer some on the first episode, some on the second, some on the third. I'm just going to spread them out. So don't get discouraged if I don't get to yours in the first episode. And obviously, I'm not going to answer any of those today because today we're not talking quarterbacks. We're talking everyone because we're doing a mock draft. So that's what we're going to be doing in the future. And so let's get this started. I am picking at the seventh spot. And this may surprise you. Some people are going to hate this pick. Some people are going to love it. And obviously, I'm going to go through my reasoning for each pick. But the first six picks before it got to me, obviously, you have McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, and Michael Thomas go within the first six picks. And then that sixth pick before me was Derrick Henry. So now I'm looking at the board, and Dalvin Cook is there. And everyone's worried about his contract issues and whatnot. To be honest, I'm not that worried about his contract issues. So I really struggled deciding whether to take Cook here or my next ranked running back. I decided to go with my next ranked running back for two reasons. One, he is way less injury prone than Dalvin Cook. And two, he doesn't have any contract worries. And he's also in a much better offense. At least I'm projecting him to be in a much better offense. And that is Miles Sanders. So I took him at seven and then Dalvin Cook went immediately after at eight. So some people think that that's way too high for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is ranked as my RB6, and my wide receiver two is on the board because Michael Thomas went, my wide receiver two is DeAndre Hopkins, and then three is Devontae Adams. Both of them are on the board. So you may be asking yourself, why would I go with my sixth or seventh ranked running back opposed to my second or third ranked receiver? Well, it's fairly easy to me, and we'll see this as the draft goes on. My strategy this year, I've always been an RB heavy guy at the top of drafts, but never have I been as firm in that strategy as I am this year. Because this year, there are so many good wide receivers in their rounds four through seven range that you can get that would be great wide receiver twos. Some have great wide receiver one potential. And honestly, you don't need a wide receiver one to win in fantasy football. You can have plenty of wide receiver twos. Two, three wide receiver twos will get the job done. You need stud running backs. That's what it comes down to. And another thing when it comes to running back versus receiver for me is it's so much easier when the season starts to get wide receivers that you can plug and play off the waiver than running backs. And not only is it easier because there's more of them, but you're also going to get them way cheaper because the thing with running backs is once a running back that's going to be a stud shows up on waiver, it's usually 
due to an injury or taking over a job or whatnot. Everybody's going after that running back. Everyone's trying to spend their fab on that running back. So the chances you actually get that guy are pretty low. Whereas wide receivers last year, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin, and so many others, you were able to get Devontae Parker, Preston Williams off some waiver wires, DK Metcalf, and you got them for pretty cheap if you got them at the right time. So I've always trusted myself to handle the wide receiver position later on. And it's actually super easy this year because of how many good wide receivers are later. Because if I go with a Devontae Adams right here or a DeAndre Hopkins right here, my running backs are going to be struggling. So that's why I went with Miles Sanders. I know it was a little bit of a reach, but it was either him or Dalvin Cook. And he has less questions, in my opinion, than Cook does. And he also, I mean, Dalvin Cook has not played a 16-game season yet. And Miles Sanders seems like a pretty sturdy guy. I don't think he's going to have any injury uh, worries other than you know, being a running back that comes with the average worry of playing that position, but he's a pretty solid guy. So I went with Miles Sanders. So after Miles Sanders in the first round, it went Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, and that's another one. Uh, I actually like Joe Mixon, but I'm a little, little bit lower than I was hoping I would be when I did my projections. It's just the lack of receiving. Miles Sanders is going to be in a better offense, have more receiving and whatnot. So that's why I went with Sanders. But Mixon would not have been a bad pick there either. Then Devontae Adams at 10, DeAndre Hopkins at 11, Tyreek Hill at 12, and then to start off the second round, it went Nick Chubb, which I think is a reach, Travis Kelsey, understandable, Julio Jones, great value, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, and then it got to me, and I'm looking at, once again, the running back position. I'm looking at Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Those are the three people I'm deciding between. Those are my three highest-ranked running backs still on the board. I have a good shot to stack two great uh, running backs right here. And the only thing that I was tilting, that had me tilting, was George Kittle being on the board and Chris Godwin being on the board because both of them, I like them a lot. But I know that I like the receivers later on. And in those rounds where I love receivers later on, I really don't like the running backs. So I decided to go ahead and grab my highest ranked running back left on the board, Austin Eckler. Remember, it was between him, Clyde, and Jacobs. I'm increasingly getting worried about Clyde. I still think he's going to be a great running back, but I, as time goes on and we're not going to have a preseason and all of that stuff, I think that it's going to be a much slower, slower, slower start for Clyde when it comes down to it. And then with Josh Jacobs, he's not going to get nearly the receiving work as Eckler. And I don't even expect Eckler to get more carries than he was getting last year. I have him at like about 12 carries per game in my projection between 12 and 14 which is super super realistic it's very timid it's the receptions and he's still going to be a good touchdown guy they're going to be a team that has an elite defense plays the ground game with Tyrod Eckler and those other running backs so I love that pick now I'm looking at Sanders and Eckler as my round one and round two running back stack and so after Eckler immediately went Jacobs then Godwin Kittle Edward Solaire Mahomes and Galladay so now we're into the third round, and Lamar Jackson is the first pick of the third round. I like that. That's pretty good value. Then you have Adam Thielen, Melvin Gordon. He was somebody I was really hoping would make it back to me in the third round so I could just finish off my running back position and slam receiver the rest of the way because Melvin Gordon is my 14th ranked running back. Him and Bell are 13 and 14 for me. So Melvin is really somebody that I don't mind taking at all. And he went before me, so that was kind of upsetting. But I actually got super happy with who fell to me, and we'll get there in one second. So after Melvin Gordon, it went Odell Beckham at the fourth pick of the third round, then Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor, 
And now on the board, I'm looking at DJ Moore, my fifth ranked receiver this year. I love it. I could not be happier. It worked out perfectly because I went RB heavy and I still have a top 10 receiver per my projections in DJ Moore. DJ Moore could very well be like a junior version of what Michael Thomas was last year when he was playing with Teddy Bridgewater. DJ Moore is a possession guy. He's good after the catch. He's got good hands. He's got good size. He can run every route. He's a guy who can be used in a gadgety way if they want. He's going to be somebody that's going to get so many looks. And last year, he had very little touchdowns. He's going to get more touchdowns than last year. And last year, he was a good fantasy receiver. He only has room for improvement here with an upgrade at quarterback. The quarterback's going to be more accurate. They're probably going to have longer sustained drives from being in a better offense overall and being able to just continue moving down the field. So I love, 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 love DJ Moore in the third round of redrafts. And in, uh, um, not auction, in Dynasty, I'm taking DJ Moore in the second round at the like the two three turn area i love dj Moore. after i took him then we went aj brown or the draft went aj brown Allen robinson mike evans calvin ridley james connor that's a pretty good pick too i like actually all those picks are, are good values i like all those picks this is an area of the draft i really like then round four starts off juju another great pick dk metcalf todd Gurley. amari cooper mark andrews and now it's back to me in the fourth round remember i told you that Melvin Gordon is somebody I like to look for, and I was hoping he would get to me so I could finish off the running back position. Well, that's what I get to do here, because remember I said Melvin Gordon was my 14th, and my 13th ranked running back was Le'Veon Bell. Well, he's still on the board in the fourth round. And here's a quick, quick thing about Le'Veon Bell that I don't really understand why everyone hates. Why everyone hates him. Um, Adam Gase was there last year, and he was like RB, what, 17, 16? I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know it was right around there. And... Adam Gase is still there this year. So everyone's using Adam Gase as like the biggest reason that Le'Veon Bell's not going to do good. But he was the the sample that you're looking at of Bell with the Jets was already with Adam Gase. So that just cancels out. If something stays the same from year to year, it's not a change. It's not something that you should use against the player. So Adam Gase is still there, but this is what happened around Le'Veon Bell. The Jets added two, possibly three new offensive linemen. The offensive line is going to be better especially especially with Makai Becton, who is a monster of a man. He's a great run blocker. He's a grader. He's just a huge, he's a first round pick. He is going to massively help the run game. I don't know how much he's going to help Sam Darnold in the pass game right away because he profiles much better as a run blocker and that's what he excelled at. He actually blocked for Lamar Jackson back in the day when Lamar was running the ball. And so I love that offensive line. It got much better. Plus, not only that, but you add Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, yes, they lost Robbie Anderson, but that two-pack versus losing Robbie Anderson is also an upgrade in the passing game. So Le'Veon Bell's not going to just see stacked boxes all the time. He's going to have a better chance. And yes, what about Frank Gore? Everyone's worried about Frank Gore. Well, here's the thing. Le'Veon Bell got so many touches last year and was so inefficient. So do I have him getting the same amount of touches? No, I do think he's going to lose some touches to Gore. I think Gore's going to get between six and nine touches a game. But guess what? Le'Veon Bell is still in that 15 plus range in terms of touches because you're still including receptions and he's going to be way more efficient. Last year, he was right around three yards per carry. He's going to be 
at least a yard per carry better with all of the upgrades and defenses having to look other directions other than just stopping Le'Veon Bell and the offensive line being better. So I love Le'Veon Bell. I don't see how in any way, shape, or form he's worse than last year if he doesn't get injured. So I love Bell. He's my third running back. Now we're looking at Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Le'Veon Bell, and then my wide receiver one right now is DJ Moore. So I'm loving the team at this point. After Le'Veon Bell goes Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, Leonard Fournette, T.Y. Hilton, Mark Ingram, Raheem Mostert. Round five kicks off with Zach Ertz, DeAndre Swift, Stephon Diggs, Dak Prescott. That's pretty high for any quarterback that's not Lamar Mahomes inside round five for me. David Montgomery, Russell Wilson, and now I'm back on the clock. So I have my three running backs and I love them. Now I'm looking for solid guys I can count on at the wide receiver position because I know I got running back set. I just want people that are going to be consistent, but also I want one or two people with some high ceiling games, but still provide me a good overall script, you know, for the entire season. So these are the wide receivers that are on the board at this pick in the fifth round for me that I have to choose between Tyler Lockett and Robert Woods. Those are the two. Those are they're very similarly ranked for me. They're within like three wide receivers of each other. And I'm trying to decide, okay, Woods is going to give me a better floor game to game. And he's definitely going to be good over the season. Tyler Lockett, especially because I have Russell Wilson throwing more this year, considering that they lost Ezekiel Ansah, Michael Kendricks, and they still haven't re-signed Jadeveon Clowney, even though it seems like that's the direction they're moving with him. That's still so many losses on the defensive side of the ball. I think Russ is going to be able to throw a little bit more this year than we've seen in the couple years past. So I love Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf is already gone off the board. I have them ranked right next to each other. So for me, Lockett, he is going to have some lower games than Robert Woods, yes. But he's also going to have boom games that win you weeks. And when I have Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, and Le'Veon Bell, all three guys, this is a PPR draft, all three guys get mad receptions, they're going to offer me great floors, same with DJ Moore, who's going to be super consistent week to week, I can afford to take a shot at somebody who's going to hurt me some weeks, but win me some weeks, and that's a guy like Tyler Lockett, so I go ahead and take Tyler Lockett over Robert Woods here, especially knowing who I'm going to take in the next round, because I always reach for this guy, according to ADP, it's a reach, according to my rankings, it's a super value, And I'm sure you guys already can guess who it is if you've listened to other podcasts of mine. He is my guy, and that's the other Tyler, and I'm going to take him in round six. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you who went after Lockett. So Woods went right after Lockett. It was back-to-back. Then David Johnson, Cam Akers, Singletary, and Tyler Higby went at the back of round five. And remember, this is on Yahoo. So Tyler Higby, as you guys know, is also somebody that I'm really high on. He's my tight end three, right above Andrews because of receptions. That doesn't mean I would take him over Andrews. That's just where he ended up in my projections. I realize that it holds more risk than having and- taking Andrews. So obviously, I take Andrews before Higby. But Higby is the fourth tight end I will take off the board. I will take him above Ertz because he has less competition than Ertz, and he's more efficient than Ertz, and is probably going to see around the same targets as Ertz. So... Higby I love to take, but the thing is, is I'm usually getting him at the beginning of the seventh at the highest and sometimes into the eighth, and that's on all other platforms. For some reason, it seems like the Yahoo Expert rankings are driving up the ADP for Tyler Higby because not only was he selected here, but he was one of the top available players by ADP on the board right before that guy made his pick for Tyler Higby. So I'm assuming that it's going to be harder for me to get him in any Yahoo leagues So that kind of sucks because I love Higby, but 
it is what it is. And now I know I have to pivot for tight end. And so at this point, I'm like, unless I see somebody at a really good value, I'm probably just going to wait on tight end. But you never know what, what's going to come up. So you have to, you got to be water. You got to be fluid in all your drafts. So Tyler Higby went as the last pick of round five. Then round six started off Kyler Murray. The fact that they got him after Dak and Russell, he's my quarterback three. So I like that pick. It's still, you know, I'm a quarterback late kind of guy. So I'm still not going to do that. But it's a good pick for people that don't mind spending a early or mid-round pick on quarterback. So that, that was a good value. Then at the second pick of round six, you had A.J. Green. Then Darren Waller, Deshaun Watson, Darius Geis, and now it's back to me, and that's when I took Tyler Boyd. So I took Tyler Boyd in the sixth round. His ADP is the seventh, eighth round. I never let him get there because I don't like playing that game. I don't like saying, you know what? He's probably going to make it to me in the seventh, or he's probably going to make it to me in the eighth if I waited to the seventh, just because... You know, that's what the, the board shows on whatever platform you're using. Because if somebody likes their guy, they're going to take him. And I'm not going to risk losing out on my guy of the year. Of the year. Tyler Boyd is inside my top 12 wide receivers. If that sounds blasphemous to you, go listen to my podcast about Tyler Boyd and Tyler Higby. It's called Team Tyler. And um, how they're both great values. Obviously, Higby's not much of a value in Yahoo. Um, but in everything else he is. So that podcast is still super relevant. Go ahead and listen to that. But I took Tyler Boyd here as my wide receiver three. He's never finished outside of the top 20 wide receivers since he's been a starter. He's never been in a good situation. He's always had a rough quarterback, a uh, bad offensive line, and usually not much help around him. In the two games that Tyler Boyd's been a starter, he's only played with A.J. Green on the field nine for nine games. So he's usually the best receiver on the field and usually seeing the hardest type of coverage or at least you know when defensive coordinators are making game plans they're making sure that their defense knows to watch out for Tyler Boyd and he's been way better by points per game he's actually a top five wide receiver by points per game when AJ Green is on the field now AJ Green's back T Higgins is also back so even if AJ Green's no longer elite T Higgins the addition of that is going to help keep that same type of you know situation going on all of those guys are outside receivers they're not going to hurt Tyler Boyd's slot targets which is where he plays so his target share is safe and Joe Burrow is going to be better than the Andy Dalton we've seen the past two years and the backup quarterbacks that Tyler Boyd has played with so I love Tyler Boyd I don't see how he finishes outside of the top 20 and I have him inside the top 12 because he's going to get good targets he's going to be efficient and he could very much be like a Chris Godwin last year like last year's version of Chris Godwin he could be that this year because the Bengals are a sneaky team for me that profile very similarly to the Bucks because the Bucks were a team with a struggling O-line they had to throw the ball a lot to play catch up they had great receivers and they had a horrible defense well guess what the Bengals have a horrible defense a shabby O-line are gonna they have a great receiving core, just like the Bucks, and they're going to have to play catch-up all the time and throw the ball all the time. They threw the ball 616 times last year. They're going to be somewhere near 600 this year. So to me, I am taking any piece of that offense I can get because I think they're going to be throwing it a lot, Like except for Mixon. Mixon, I still like him, and he's a good stud running back that I like to draft. But in terms of pieces for the receiving game and how much they're going to throw the ball, I love getting either A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, or T. Higgins as like one of the last picks in my drafts if I don't get Boyd or uh, A.J. Green. So I love all those guys, and I love Joe Burrow too. So after I took Tyler Boyd in the sixth round, it went Kareem Hunt, which was somebody I was tempted to take there and see if Tyler Boyd could fall to me, but I told you I don't like playing that game. And he would have been my running back four. Hunter Henry, 
Cortland Sutton, Tom Brady, that's way too high. DJ Chark, that's a great receiver. Oh yeah, so I just also want to point out some great receivers that have been going late because the running backs that I've been saying in the past couple rounds, David Johnson, so many questions. Devin Singletary, so many questions. Darius Geis, I mean, is he ever going to have a healthy season? Like all of the running backs in this area, I do not want to touch. DeAndre Swift, he might not even get a lot of carries. He might be like 50-50 split with carry on. How good is that going to make him, you know? So they're all the running backs here have question marks. Mark Ingram, Raheem Mostert. So I like the receivers because the receivers in areas like this, Stephon Diggs, nice. Robert Woods, nice. Tyler Lockett, nice. And this is from like the back of the fourth all the way through the seventh. T.Y. Hilton, nice. A.J. Green, great upside. Tyler Boyd, obviously you know how I feel about him. DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, Will Fuller has a tremendous upside if he can stay healthy as the number one receiver for Deshaun Watson. So I love going receiver here. That's why I always slam running back high. So after the sixth round finished off with DJ Chark, Michael Gallup's round seven started with Devontae Parker, Marquise Brown, somebody took the 49ers defense. Somebody's always going to do something like that. It's hilarious to me. Keenan Allen, Josh Allen, Will Fuller, and now it's back to me in the seventh round. So remember, right now, this is what my team looks like. I'm at a perfect 3-3 split. I have Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, and Le'Veon Bell as my first three running backs. Le'Veon Bell sitting in my flex. He's going to give me a safe 12, 15 points every week with some upside for up to like 22, 23, 24. And then I have my wide receivers. Right, Wide receiver one is DJ Moore. Technically, by my rankings and projections, Tyler Boyd is my wide receiver two, and then Tyler Lockett is my wide, wide receiver three with great upside. So now I'm looking at the seventh round. I can be super flexible, go any position I want, any direction I want, and I go back to running back. I want to get as many good running backs as I can. And so I take Ronald Jones in the seventh round, and he is by far the best running back on the board. I was actually talking to, to Trainwreck, um, and if you guys have listened to past podcasts, you know who that is. If not, well, you'll find out eventually. I was talking to Trainwreck, and he was telling me, man, you took Ronald Jones in the seventh? That's so high. And then I was like, well, wait, let me read you the names that were there on the board when I took Ronald Jones. And these were the top names on the board. Ronald Jones, Matt Ryan, Jared Cook, Drew Brees, Damian Williams, Matt Breda, Carson Wentz, uh, Hayden Hurst, Deontay Johnson, Jordan Howard, Sony Michelle, Marlon Mack. I think Ronald Jones has the most upside out of all of those guys by far. Ronald Jones is in the best offense out of all of those guys by far. And I'm firmly in the Rojo camp versus the Vaughn camp, especially with everything that's going on right now. And we've seen some uh, character questions actually about Vaughn recently. I actually haven't dove into that 100% yet, but I've been seeing some articles come up about that. So that's something that I'm kind of worried about too. And Ronald Jones was so good at the end of last year. He was so far and away better than all the other running backs. And the biggest question is pass protection. Well, guess what? His trainer has come out and said flat out, pass protection will not be a problem by any means for Ronald Jones this season. That's what the trainer said. Pass protection is not going to be a problem. They've worked on it and he's gotten very good at it. And I'm sure he's going to be better than a rookie running back that's not a Saquon Barkley or an Ezekiel Elliott or somebody of that caliber coming into the league, I'm sure that Ronald Jones is going to be ahead of them there. And Ronald Jones is also just as good of a receiver, if not better than Kishan Vaughn or Keyshawn Vaughn, however you say it, because everyone just seems to assume that Vaughn is going to be the receiving back, but there's no evidence to show that. 
Ronald Jones was just as good of a receiver in college as Vaughn was. And Ronald Jones is more explosive than Vaughn is. He's more elusive than Vaughn is. So yeah, Ronald Jones had a couple ugly drops, but he got rid of those. You know who else had to have or used to have a bunch of ugly drops? Mike Evans. Like a lot, way worse than things that we've seen from Rojo. OJ Howard, he's had some drop problems and he's also been pretty good in fantasy. So honestly, Ronald Jones, I think is a great value. He's somebody I like a lot. So he shores up my running back position. He's my RB4, so that's great. After that goes Matt Ryan, Jared Cook, Drew Brees, Damian Williams, Matt Breda. And then for some reason, people go on like a defensive streak and four defenses go. In between those four defenses, Carson Wentz goes, which is somebody I was thinking about taking in round eight, but he went before me. And now, remember, I don't have a tight end. I have four running backs, three wide receivers. Now I'm looking at maybe this is the point where I need to take a tight end because Evan Ingram's on the board. Hayden Hurst is on the board. And I mean, really, that's the only guys that I was considering for the tight end position um, right here. And I decided that I didn't really care for any of the running backs or wide receivers that are in this range that I know are going to go in the next two rounds. So why force myself to take one of them? I'm not going to do that. If I don't like them, I'm not going to do that. So I went ahead and took Hayden Hurst. I think he's got a good opportunity in Atlanta. I don't have him ranked as high as other people. I'm going to be honest. I have him as like my tight end 10, but I decided to go ahead and take him. He's got good potential and that's something that I always look for. And if anything, I can get another tight end later on in the draft. And this is one of those years where I think we probably have, we'll probably have one of the best tight end years in fantasy that we've seen in a while. Cause there are so many guys, so many young guys that haven't broke out. So many guys that have moved situations or maybe not so many, but Hayden Hurst is definitely one of those guys. And um, there's just a lot of potential all over the tight end board. Blake Jarwin's also somebody who was like kind of a nobody last year, but since Jason Witten moved situations, Blake Jarwin's rising as well you know, certain things like that. And I think that it's a great, a great year to just wait on tight end, honestly. So I took Hayden Hurst in the eighth. And then after that went Deontay Johnson, Jordan Howard, two kickers, ridiculous, Sony Michelle, Marlon Mack, another defense, Jarvis Landry, Evan Ingram. That's a really good value in the ninth round. I, the reason I pivoted away from Evan Ingram and took Hayden Hurst is just because Evan Ingram is always hurt. Plus, he's a possession type of guy. He's somebody that thrives off high target counts and a lot of volume. Well, guess what? Now he's with Golden Tate, who's also a high volume guy. Sterling Shepard, who's also a high volume guy. And Darius Layton and Saquon Barkley are there as well. So he's And he's never been on the field with all of them on the field. None of them have ever been on the field altogether. So there's a lot of questions there and who's going to get what type of target share. I feel somewhat comfortable with how I have it projected, but honestly, if they've never been on the field together, we don't know who who's, you know, the favorite guy for Daniel Jones. So that's why I pivoted away from Evan Ingram, but you can't argue that the ninth round is not a good value. Then JK Dobbins went after that, Tariq Cohen, another defense, and now I'm back on the clock. And remember I have, let's see, it's to round eight. So I have four running backs, three receivers, and Hayden Hurst. So now I'm looking at basically best player available. At this point, I always go best player available. And somebody that I really like with a lot of upside is Brandon Cooks. So I go ahead and take Brandon Cooks. Here's the thing. Will Fuller, I think if they're both healthy all season, especially because of, you know, missing time and camp and whatnot, Will Fuller is definitely going to be the go-to guy. But if Will Fuller goes down, like we've seen every single year, Brandon Cooks is going to see a good target, good healthy target share. And Brandon Cooks has broke a thousand yards with every new team that he's gone to in the first year. 
And so what's stopping him from doing that now? Hopkins is gone. That leaves 150 targets on the board. You could shift maybe 30 targets, like 30 of those targets, over to Will Fuller. Brandon Cooks is going to take what Will Fuller was getting, pretty much. And um, then you have, you know, like 40, 50 targets left to go around. Those could go to Cooks. Those could go to the running backs. That's what I'm projecting. I think they're going to go to the running backs. Um, And so... Brandon Cooks is just, he's a great receiver with great upside, and we've seen him do it with so many different people in so many different situations that I think that that's a great chance to take. It's a great dart to throw, and it's honestly not even a dart throw because he's going to have a good floor, even if he's the wide receiver too and Will Fuller is healthy. So I took him as my fourth wide receiver now, so him and Tyler Lockett are those guys that could give me winning weeks, and then I have the stability with Tyler Boyd, DJ Moore, and all my running backs are super stable. So then we go, after Brennan Cooks, to four kickers, (laughs) no, five kickers actually, Julian Edelman, Darius Slayton, Kashawn Vaughn, Matthew Stafford, James White, John Brown, and now I'm back on the clock in the 10th round. So I struggled right here, because I feel really good about my receivers. I have four really good receivers. There's a lot of receivers I like late, including rookies, even though I prefer to leave rookies to other teams and then watch them get dropped and pick them up off waivers. There are still some guys that I want to take shots on, um, especially like a Rager, because he's not ever going to get dropped if from now until the drafts happen or now until the season starts, Alshon is on the pup to start the season or Djax gets hurt or Djax gets like let go. I don't think that that's going to happen. I've just seen that a couple times. So I'm just saying that in case that's something you think might happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but Jalen Rager is not going to get dropped. So that's somebody I would think about later on. Same with Michael Pittman, because he's somebody that we're going to see right away how he gets used. And if not, if he's not used how we want, then we can drop him. And if he is used how we want, even if we don't see the output, the fantasy output, you know that he's a hold because of the, the snap counts he's getting, right? So there are some guys that are rookies in this class specifically, that I don't mind taking a shot on later. So with that said, I'm kind of like not wanting to take a wide receiver here. I'm thinking about reaching for a running back that I really want, but I decide to just take the value, go best player available, and I grab Debo Samuel. I have no need for him, honestly. Tyler Boyd, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, those are three solid guys. I will never start Debo, even when he comes back fully healthy and whatnot, and he's the Debo that we're that we were seeing the back half of last season. I'm still not going to start that over those three guys. And then Brandon Cooks, he's a solid four. I like that. So I took Debo Samuel thinking, okay, even though this is a mock, if this was a league, you always draft like, you know, you're drafting for a real league. Debo Samuel somebody that if, God forbid, I have people go down to injury or whatnot, he's going to step in like I never lost anything. Otherwise, I can trade him to teams that need wide receivers once he, you know, goes off. And while round 10 might be high for some people just because they don't know how long he's going to be even if he's out for eight games whatever like I can put him in my IR spot and pick up somebody else so he doesn't hurt me in my bench if he's on the pup right and then once he comes back I'll drop somebody put him back into my bench for one or two games he's going to do good and then I'm going to go ahead and trade him off and it's a good value for me in round 10 because I have no need for him it's not like I'm struggling at receiver and I, I need him in the season I don't so that's why I go best player available regardless. And, you know, I trust my my instincts in terms of being able to trade well. I've always been a good trader, stuff like that. So if you trust yourself to manage teams really well, go ahead and just always go best player available. After I got Debo, went Mike Asicki, Marvin Jones, 
Gronk, Philip Lindsay, Alexander Madison, and another kicker. Round 11 starts off. Big Ben goes. Way too high for me. I am not high on him at all. Jonu Smith goes. Aaron Rodgers goes. Too high for me. I have way more quarterbacks like ranked above these guys. And that's how I know because... Uh, that's how I know I'm going to go quarterback late because of the fact that everyone's filling their quarterback spots right now. And they're filling their quarterback spots with people I don't believe in. Just like Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers in terms of where they're being drafted. And I have two quarterbacks actually actually three quarterbacks on the board that I know will be there in the last two or three rounds for me every single draft so I basically never draft quarterback high unless Carson Wentz is there in like round eight then I'll take a shot at Carson otherwise I just wait and grab one of the three guys and I do get them one of them in the draft so we'll talk about that when we get to it and so after Aaron Rodgers went a defense then Emmanuel Sanders Tevin Coleman now I'm on the board and round 11. This is who I was thinking about taking in round 10 that I ended up saying, you know, I'm going to go best player available and go ahead and grab Debo Samuel. I took Duke Johnson in round 11 and I was deciding between him and carry on Johnson. And actually now the more and more that I think about it, I kind of wish that I went carry on. Um, honestly though, it's super close. The, the, the nice thing about Duke is I'll know that I, I don't need to play him unless like he has He doesn't have great value unless I'm like really struggling and I need to put him in my flex. He doesn't have great value unless David Johnson goes down. So it's an easy decision week to week. If I took carry on, there are going to be weeks where carry on does way better than DeAndre Swift fantasy wise. And there are going to be weeks that Swift does better than carry on. And I didn't want that headache, but carry on definitely has more potential because if something were to happen to Swift, which, I mean, it's funny because usually we're thinking something's going to happen to carry on and then Swift is going to be great, but it could go the other way around. You know, you never know what's going to happen with injuries. So I kind of sometimes think that carry on is somebody that I want to take in areas like that. But I went with Duke Johnson because he is one of the best handcuffs for one of one of the best and most efficient, actually, handcuffs for one of the most likely to get hurt running backs. So why would you not take a shot at that plus? When a lot of targets leave, which was DeAndre Hopkins taking more than 150 targets away from that team, a lot of the time, a good healthy percent of those targets end up going to the running back position. And I think that's going to happen, especially with David Johnson and Duke Johnson, both being there, both being good receiving backs. So that's why I took Duke Johnson there. Then after that went carry on, the two guys I was deciding between, and then Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard, a defense, Darrell Henderson, Anthony Miller, a kicker, Latavius Murray, Austin Hooper, Jamison Crowder, and now I'm back on the board. And I'm looking at names like CeeDee Lamb, Noah Fant, Robbie Anderson, TJ Hawkinson, Christian Kirk. That's a nice value, the person who got him, because I didn't end up taking Kirk. Zach Moss, Dallas Goddard, whatnot. Those are the guys I'm looking at. And Jalen Rager. This is a little high for me to take Rager, not necessarily, but since I have Hayden Hurst and I'm not super high on him, I still like his potential, but I also do see a pathway where he underperforms what people are expecting. I decided to take another tight end that I think could go crazy, TJ Hawkinson. So TJ Hawkinson to me is somebody that could end up becoming like a George Kittle. And I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, um, in my opinion. And it just depends on when it's going to happen because it's going to happen. Trust me. TJ Hawkinson is going to break out. He's going to be a top 10 at uh not a top 10, a top tight end at some point. He will be in the top 10 though. Um, and he's somebody I love to get in, in dynasty leagues. 
Like, I got him as my third tight end in a dynasty league. I really did not need tight end at all, but the fact that he was there where he was, I had to take him because what I think he's going to turn into, it's either going to be this year or next year, in my opinion. And it, it very well might not be this year because they still have a lot of weapons. But next year, and so we're kind of shifting to a dynasty talk right now, real quick. Next year, TJ Hawkinson is going to probably be a top five tight end because they're going to lose Danny Amendola and Marvin Jones. And now you're looking at Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson being the top two targets. And then possibly Quintez Cephas, who's another guy I really like in Dynasty. And he is still going to have Stafford. He's developing. He's getting better. He's good all over the field. He's athletic. He's big. He's a top 10 pick. He was 10 overall. So he has the pedigree. They're going to continuously get him and feed him the ball to, you know, the fact that he's a first round pick. And I think he's just going to go off. It might happen this year, though. And so I took the shot that it might happen this year as my second tight end behind Hayden Hurst in case Hurst ends up being a bust. Then after I took Hawkinson, went Lamb and Fant. The reason I, I like Hawkinson over Fant, even though they're both in pretty crowded rooms and both have, like Hawkinson has Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, and Fant has Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. The difference for me, and both of them have two really good backs, one has Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay to compete with in targets. Same with Carry On and DeAndre Swift. So really, it's a very similar situation. The reason I take Hogginson over Fant is this reason and this reason only. The Lions will throw the ball more than the Broncos. I would, and if you disagree with that, I would be pretty surprised because, I mean, Stafford versus Drew Locke and the defense that the Broncos have versus the defense that the Lions have, it, they're just so different. Like, the, the Broncos' defense might be top five. And they added pieces to their defense. And then the Lions' defense might be bottom five. It might be bottom ten. But it's definitely not going to be better than league average. And the Broncos' defense is going to be way better than league average. Plus, the Broncos' run game is going to be better than the Lions' run game. Because Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay are probably going to be better runners and then they have Royce Freeman too in case anything happens they have Royce Freeman like are you kidding me like as the third running back that's amazing so I mean maybe they're going to trade him I actually hope they do because I took him all over the place in dynasties hoping that he can get his opportunity somewhere else as one of my last picks but that's you know I don't want to go on a tangent here so that's why I took DJ Hawkinson I think the Lions are going to pass the ball way more than the Broncos then after that we had some people go that we just talked about and round it gets to round 13 so this draft was actually only 15 rounds so since I'm gonna take a defense that has a good start to the season with my last pick I know I only have two non-defensive picks left in this draft and I still need a quarterback so I go decided to go ahead and just take my quarterback now and I took Joe Burrow Joe Burrow is inside my top 10 quarterbacks for some reasons that we've already talked about the Bengals have thrown the ball 616 times last year they're probably going to throw around that because their defense didn't really get any better. Plus, Joe Burrow has way better weapons than what Andy Dalton's been working with because you get A.J. Green back healthy and you add T. Higgins. And then John Ross is your wide receiver four. That's awesome. Plus, Joe Burrow's also getting Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle that was drafted in the first round last year that didn't play at all because he got hurt. He's coming back, so their offensive line can't be worse. Trust me, it cannot be worse than it was last year. So even if Jonah Williams is not like performing at a I think he was the 10th overall pick or between like 10 and 13 overall pick in that first round last year 
even if he doesn't perform up to that level, he's still going to be an upgrade from what they had last year. There's no way that offensive line is going to be worse. Trust me. So you're getting a better offensive line, better receiving weapons. You're still going to have to throw the ball around 600 times, which it's hard not to be a good fantasy quarterback when that's the case, even if you're a rookie. And then here's the last thing. Joe Burrow has legs. He is probably going to run around between 250, 350 rushing yards, and he could give you between two and four or two and five rushing touchdowns. If you add that to 600 passes, that is amazing. Amazing. He was actually hot. He was actually like my QB five. And then I had to knock down his efficiency and stuff further due to like coronavirus, less time to play with everybody, learn the system, whatnot. And also just because I felt like he was a little too high. Um, so I knocked down his efficiency a little bit. I don't even have him being that efficient. I think I have him at like 62 or 63% completion percentage, um, about a 4.5 or 4.4% touchdown rate. All of these things that I haven't projected for are about average for the last two or three first round pick quarterbacks that went between like Baker and Kyler and others. So, and he has a better cast. Like Kyler came in and he didn't have an AJ Green, a Tyler Boyd, and a T Higgins. You know, he just had Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, which I mean, that's nice. Those are reliable guys, but those aren't explosive playmakers. Whereas Baker didn't have anybody. He had Jarvis. Odell wasn't there yet. And it was like Jarvis and Rashad Higgins and Antonio Callaway. Like that's not really a good group either. Compared to what Burrow has, are you kidding me? And Burrow's probably the best profiled passer out of the three between him, Kyler, and May- Mayfield. And I have Burrow projected at like just about or a little bit less efficiency than what Kyler and Baker were able to do, despite having better weapons. And also, don't worry about the offensive line because Kyler's offensive line was horrible and Baker's was not horrible, but it was still pretty bad. So it's really similar situations, except Burrow's going to throw the ball way more with better weapons and still has legs, not like Murray, but better than Mayfield. So that's why I love Burrow this year. And I'm calling for him to actually break the rookie passing touchdown record. Oh man, I'm losing it. No, I'm not. Because guess what? Baker Mayfield holds the record right now. And he did it with under 500 pass attempts in 13 games. Burrow is going to throw near 600 times. You're giving Burrow who has better weapons, and I'm going to just say it again, I know it's probably getting annoying, but I mean, he has much better weapons than Baker did that year, and he's going to get 100 extra passes, and you don't think he can break the record? Mm, Is it really a hot take? Is it? Is it really? Because I don't feel like it is when you really break it down and look at the numbers, unless you just think that the Bengals are not going to throw the ball a lot, which I would disagree with, but I mean, that's probably your best argument. Um, And so then after I took Joe Burrow, went Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, and Cam Newton. That was somebody I was thinking about, but I really just think that, you know, he's too risky for me to take when I have somebody as highly ranked as Joe Burrow there. Then Kirk Cousins, Chris Herndon, Blake Jarwin. That's somebody I really like. If you wait really, really late for tight end, I love Blake Jarwin. Eric Ebron, Adrian Peterson, Greg Olson, and now it's back to me. And so before I tell you what my last pick was, because, I mean, this is round 14, round 15, I just... I'll let you guys know right now. I took Philadelphia defense because they have a great start to the year. And you never take a defense unless it's going to be the 49ers defense that you just think is really good and you're going to try and play them all season. Just look at somebody who has easy matchups and to start the season because that's what matters. You always are going to stream defenses unless you land basically the 49ers or last year's Patriots. Um, but last year's Patriots was like insanity. That's not going to happen again. Um, so here in round 14, I told you guys who just went off the board. I took Michael Pittman Jr. So remember, I told you him, 
Rager, and was there another one? No, it was just him and Rager that I was mainly talking about as, you know, guys that you can take right away. And you should know whether there's somebody that you're going to be keeping and putting in your lineup. So Michael Pittman, because he's going to be on the outside, he's going to kind of be very similar to the Mike Williams for um, Philip Rivers in Indianapolis, as Mike Williams was in L.A., so I think we're going to see right away. Is he going to be good? Is he not? I actually was way lower on people than Michael Pittman Jr. On Michael Pittman Jr. when he was coming into the draft. Like my pre-draft process was way lower on him than others. Um, and I think he's kind of being overhyped because of the situation, honestly. But I have to put my trust in the Colts organization, which has really showed to be good at drafting in the past recent years. And honestly, it doesn't cost you anything. So I, I went ahead and took Michael Pittman. And I just want to talk about some quarterbacks that I was thinking about along with Burrow. So Burrow's the highest rated that I had or ranked that I had on the board. So that's why I took him. Other guys that I like to take later on in drafts, especially in drafts that are longer than 15 rounds. I mean, most drafts are minimum 18 rounds. I don't know why the mock drafts on Yahoo are only 15. But um, quarterbacks that I like other than Joe Burrow are Gardner Minshew. He's in my top 12. Because he's got sneaky rushing, and he's going to have to throw the ball a lot. The Jaguars lost a lot of pieces, and he's got a decent supporting cast. DJ Chark is pretty good. Well, he's better than pretty good. D.D. Westbrook is pretty good. DJ Chark is really good. And then LaVisca Chenault, we'll see how good he is in the NFL. He was a second-round pick, somebody that some people had as like a top-five wide receiver in this draft class, and he was just dealing with injuries. He probably would have went higher than that if he wasn't dealing with injuries. And then you still have, you know, Leonard Fournette, which just helps if you have a decent running game, even though it's like not great. They're a really not efficient running game, but they still have Fournette there. That'll help a little bit. And then Chris Thompson, you know, the receiving running back that's always been really efficient. So that's actually a, a good add for them as well. So I like Minshew a lot. And then the other one is Tyrod Taylor. The farther we get into the season, or the farther along we get in this offseason where it looks like there's not going to be a preseason, the more and more committed I'm getting to Tyrod Taylor. Like, I've already been super committed to him. I have a 30-minute podcast literally just on Tyrod Taylor. I really encourage, if you haven't listened to it, to go check that one out. It's probably, I mean, I think it's my best podcast to date. I love that that episode. And, um, you know, there was just so much deep diving into stats and past history and patterns and player personnel that he had and you know he's with a coach now that he was with in Buffalo and helps him and knows how to you know use a rushing quarterback and all that stuff so Tyrod is really somebody that I like he's always been a top 10 or not always two out of his three starting years in Buffalo in Buffalo he was a top 10 quarterback by points per game and it was safe it was a quarterback five and quarterback six so Tyrod Taylor is actually being super slept on he's the third quarterback those are like my three super late quarterbacks that I like Joe Burrow Minshew and Tyrod and Tyrod also has a great week one matchup versus the Bengals. He's going to shred them. So he's probably going to give you like 25 points versus the Bengals week one. And then you'll feel more confident to start him along the way throughout the season. And some mid-tier quarterbacks that I find on my rosters a lot. So I usually always have one of those three. And then my other quarterbacks that I draft are that are a little higher are Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan. Those are probably the other ones. But remember, I told you Tom Brady went in like the seventh round here, or the sixth round here, which is way too high. But that's my team. Um, overall, this is how I ended up. RB1, first round, Miles Sanders. My RB2, Austin Eckler. Then Le'Veon Bell in my flex. And then sitting on my bench at running back position, I have Ronald Jones. 
and Duke Johnson, who has great upside if David Johnson goes down. Then at wide receiver, my wide receiver one, DJ Moore, paired with another super consistent wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, who I got in the sixth round, backed up by Tyler Lockett with great upside, who I have in the fifth round. I just took Tyler later because I know I could get him at the sixth. He's never gone higher than that in what I've seen. And then um, Brandon Cooks and Debo Samuel, both on the bench with Michael Pittman Jr. as my last pick at wide receiver. Then at quarterback, I have Joe Burrow. At tight end, I got Hayden Hurst and TJ Hawkinson. I really don't love my tight end situation, but I like it better because I got both of them. And I think one of them will be pretty good. And then Philadelphia defense. And what was the last position? I feel like I missed somebody. Um, No, I didn't. So that's it. That was my team. Those are my 15 picks. Hope you guys liked it. I tried to give some reasoning and analysis on the players and why I took them. And hope you guys have a good one. Remember, we are going to be starting quarterback week on Sunday. So look out on Sunday. We're going to have a podcast come out. I'm going to talk about my top 12 quarterbacks, answer a few of the quarterback questions that I've gotten. And then, you know, on Wednesday, we're going to go to, through the next 12, answer another question, another question or two. And then Friday, I'll answer the rest of the questions and talk about values and, you know, undervalued or overvalued at the quarterback position. And that's it for today. So I hope you guys have a good one. Keep grinding, keep reading the articles that you need to read, doing what you got to do to win fantasy because there's not much going on right now. And I'm sure we're all super excited for football. And that's about it. Have a good one, divers. Peace.